Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. All right, so first question here, did you ever think about monitoring the health of astronauts when you became a flight surgeon? Uh, I love space, so uh, I got to, what's up, JP Scott? Um, I got to go to uh, Johnson Space Center in Houston, got to go to the big pool where they do training to simulate being in zero gravity. I I love space, so yeah, I, I got to do some... Yes, I am a UF grad. Uh, I got to uh, do some astronaut physicals. So people who wanted to be astronauts, I would do their physicals to see if they were qualified to be an astronaut. So that was a, a cool part of the job. So yeah, definitely was interested in that. What MCAT prep do you recommend? So Camilla, there are a lot of different ways to answer this question. The easiest question is the prep that works best for you. The cheapest option is self-prep through study groups. Study groups are the best option for MCAT prep for the far majority of people. It's free. You you get to socialize with other people. Uh, You get to find people who are stronger in some areas than other areas and and really help um, help you with your MCAT prep. Full-length exams, blueprint, uh, well, double AMC first, and then blueprint second. In terms of online course, right? If you were to say, I know I need a course. Well, then the question is, do you want a a self-paced course or do you want a course where there's lectures at specific times and you have to show up and prepare for the lectures? Those are two different things. Blueprint, in in my mind, has crushed it with their online course, and uh, which is kind of a do-it-yourself, or they have a new live online course where you have 16 lectures, two and a half hours each, 
and uh, two MCAT instructors live with you going over how to integrate the information that you've brought to class on the MCAT. So go check that out. So lots of different options there. Ari Love, how do you determine if a class is freshman, sophomore, etc.? So usually, usually it's whatever uh, your first two semesters in college are your freshmen, your second two semesters are sophomore, your your th um, next two are the, the following, whatever. If you're a very non-traditional student and you, and you only took classes a little bit here, a little bit there, all over the place, then the way that the AAMC has said to do it is 30, 0 to 30 credits is freshman, 30 to 60 is sophomore, 60 to 90 is junior, 90 and above is senior. So that's how you would do it there. I'm currently a high school junior. With the prestige of a college I go to, an undergrad play a huge role in my chances of a highly ranked medical school. No, and go listen to my last pre-mid years podcast episode. There's no such thing as a highly ranked medical school. The U.S. News and World Reports is a big pile of trash. Burning pile of fecal matter. Uh, same question here. Does prestige of undergrad matter? No, it does not. What's the oldest MCAT score you can have? It depends on the medical school. Medical schools set the age of the MCAT that they will accept. Do schools see where else I applied? If so, does it matter? No, no. Can I use the same LORs from the previous cycle? I would have them updated for the current year. So don't use a letter of recommendation dated 2020 applying in 2021. What do you think about firefighter as a volunteer for non-clinical experience? If that's what you want to do, then go ahead and do it. Don't look at things from the standpoint of will it help my application. If you are excited to be a firefighter, then go be a firefighter. What do you do if pre-med advising at your college is non-existent and you're confused on your journey? The pre-med years podcast, which is what I'm recording here on Instagram Live, is your first step. And then MAPPED, M-A-P-P-D, which is a technology platform that I co-founded last year, is your next best bet. You can go sign up for a free two-week trial at mapped.com. That's M-A-P-P-D.com. Um, is there an MCAT cutoff the way there is for GPA? So schools do have cutoffs. What schools, um, what cutoff they have just depends on the school. Should I shadow again? If I shadowed 100 hours back in 2013 doing clinical work since then, I would try to get some more consistent shadowing hours. Consistency is important. Rebecca, I want to become a flight surgeon. Does NASA hire people outside of the US? I live in Canada. Thank you for answering my question. Um, probably not. NASA is a, a US institution, so potentially have to live here in the States. I just started my EMT experience, but want to apply this coming cycle. I have about 400 hours by May. Will this put me at a disadvantage? Uh, no, that's 400 more than a lot of people. Five years clinical experience, but no shadowing. Do I still need clinical? Would love to explain further. So at no point in this process should you get a certain number of hours and then stop. 
Because all that does, it looks like you are checking off a checkbox, right? I have clinical, check, what's next? Okay, I have shadowing, check, okay, what's next? I gotta focus on my MCAT, that's all I'm gonna do, right? And, and medical schools don't like that because it looks like you aren't doing things because you want to do them. It looks like you're doing things because you think you have to do them. And medical schools don't want students who are only doing things because they think they have to do them. Do things you want to do. Get clinical experience. Get consistent clinical experience. Get shadowing. Get consistent shadowing. You're applying to medical school with the story that you want to be a physician. And so if you get clinical experience and then stop so that you can focus on something else, then the question is, well, do you really want to get, be a physician, right? You, you stop doing it. So what's going on there? Um, Steph, do you still offer personal interview prep? Um, not at this moment. My uh, colleague at Mapped, uh, which is my company, Mapped is doing all the one-on-one stuff right now. You can go check that out. Dr. Scott Wright is his name. He's the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, former executive director at TMDSAS, so the whole Texas application service he ran. Uh, we do a, a podcast and YouTube series together called Ask the Dean. You can go check that out at mapped.tv um, to get a good sense of who he is and, and his um, his style. But we have very similar feedback and, and advice for students, or else he wouldn't work for me. How do you handle discouraging parents? I'm an incoming freshman who plans on being a pre-med, but I'm constantly being told by my parents that I'm not cut out. Um, and, and then it's cut off. Cut out to be a physician. So this is one of the toughest questions. A lot of students have these negative thoughts in their head that are put there by other people, especially parents. And all you can do is when they start talking like that, you say, I love your parents. I don't want to talk about this. I got to go. And then you go surround yourself with supportive people, right? You have the ability to limit the conversation. And so you cut them off. And it's really hard, especially if they're footing the bill. But you can be nice about it and cut them off at the same time to say, this is what I want to do. I don't need your negativity. I love you. We can talk about Thanksgiving dinner, but we're not going to talk about my classes, my grades, or my future aspirations. It's very, very hard to do. Does retaking classes look bad on the application? I retook at least eight. Uh, retaking classes is better than having bad grades. I'm about to graduate high school and going to community college to transfer any general tips. Yes, listen to the pre-mid years podcast. I have an interview coming up next week. How do I stay encouraged knowing it's pretty late in the application cycle? If you have an interview, that means you have a shot. Schools won't waste any time on you if that's what you want. JP Scott, love you, brother. Go follow his account if you haven't already. He says you will hear discouraging comments and opinions throughout the process. Set boundaries and focus on your goals a thousand percent right? It hurts the most when it comes from a loved one, but you will hear it from classmates. You will hear it from advisors. You will hear it from professors. But at the end of the day, this is your dream, your life. 
And if this is what you want, you have to shut them out. You have to. If I mentioned HPSP during a medical school interview, would they look down upon it? This is a very common fear that students have. My question is, why would it come up? That would be my question to you. Why would it come up if you were doing HPSP? It wouldn't. Because number one, you have to apply to HPSP and be accepted to HPSP. You can't apply for HPSP until you get accepted to medical school. So it doesn't really, like, it shouldn't come up at all. I don't, I don't see an opportunity where it would come up. Uh, HPSP is the Health Professions Scholarship Program offered by the Army, Navy, Air Force, and now VA to pay for medical school in exchange for giving some years of service. That's how I paid for medical school. I did the Air Force Scholarship. All right. Love these questions coming fast and furious. How do you recommend deciding which school to attend? How do you know which is right for me? Lots and lots and lots of homework. Uh, I did the, um, I, I did an episode last week, just destroying, I hope, uh, the New York, New, New York, um, the US News and World Reports med school ranking. It's a big pile of trash, big pile of steaming poop. Um, Students use it and think it's the gold standard in terms of what schools are good, what schools are bad, but it's not. It's nothing more than a popularity contest. So go listen to that episode. What you should be doing is doing a lot of research into school curriculum, school class sizes, locations, looking at different programs each school offers and see where it will be a good fit for you. If you're a member of uh, a minority group, whether that's um, kind of traditional minority, ethnicity, et cetera, or a minority group like LGBT, look at at schools where you will get the best support for what you need. Um, And so I I joke, I was talking to a student recently. uh, He was a member of the LGBT community and he's like, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to apply to schools in the Deep South. And I'm like, that's probably a good idea, right? There's a lot of conservative, uh, anti-LGBT thinking around there, unfortunately. So so lots of things to think about outside of MCAT and GPA. I, I don't recommend looking at MCAT and GPA. Does it matter... If we attend the University of Washington Buffalo, Buffalo instead of UW-Seattle, is it important if we go to a certain school for pre-med? No, it does not. Looking back, are there any classes you wish you took going into medical school and undergrad that would have prepped you more? So I'm a firm believer, <laughs> JP, you're still here. Uh, I'm a firm believer that there's really nothing that will prepare you for medical school. Right? Just the volume of information is just completely different and nothing can prepare you for that. With that said, uh, I was an exercise physiology major in college and so I did a lot of anatomy and physiology. I think that definitely helped. That, that was what I was interested in anyway because I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and so I think anatomy is probably the only class I think students should take if they haven't taken it and you have the opportunity to take it before medical school because anatomy is just a completely different language. And especially if you, if you struggle in a kind of a visual spatial way as well. 
JP says biochem. <laughs> yeah, med school biochem though is like a semester of biochem in like a week or two. So it's, it's so hard. It's so, so hard. Oh man. Don't like thinking about those days. Are less prestigious schools looked down upon by medical schools? So I, again, this is kind of like the 10th time somebody's asked that. Uh, what do you think about students who transfer schools doing undergrad? I think students do that a lot. Is it advantageous to apply to DO or apply to to apply to MD and DO? I'm frozen. Um, or just apply to one. Uh, it, it really depends on what you want. I typically think that that students should apply to both, especially if you're looking at specific locations. If that is the biggest concern that you have, then apply to both if there are DO schools in that area. What are some key things reapplicants should be thinking about when reviewing their previous cycle and determining uh, what went wrong? So step number one, watch application renovation. Application renovation is my YouTube series that I do. Uh, at premed.tv. Step number two is talk to schools that potentially you interviewed at and see what's going on. Uh, step number three, I have a book coming out called The Pre-Med Playbook, Guide to the Medical School Application Process. It includes kind of a, I was rejected, now what chapter and how to look at your GPA, how to look at your MCAT, how to look at your activities and go from there. All right. I'm a freshman in college and I'm already stressing about the MCAT and application process. What ways can I prepare so early on? Do well in school. That's all you need to do. All right. I already answered that one. What are some schools that look at reinvention? Graduated with 2.5 GPA in psych and 3.6 GPA, 40 credit post back, all sciences. Strong upward trend. Uh, I don't keep lists like that because I think every school has the ability to look at students who have uh, who have improved their journey, who improved their story. I have two years scribe experience, 2,000 plus hours. I'm interested in being an EMT, but if I don't do EMT, is my scribe experience enough for clinical experience? A thousand percent. Do I need to have research experience? It's not something I want to do. Uh, I think research is one of the most overrated parts of an application. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. How has your experience in the military impacted you and your decision to become a physician? So it hasn't impacted me at all. I joined the Air Force to pay for medical school. Why orthopedics? Every time I ask residents, they say it's because it's cool and we use cool tools. What made you want that? I wanted to cut people for a living. That was cool. In a legal way. Uh, is it hard to get residency in the U.S. after medical school in Puerto Rico? No. Um, so Puerto Rico medical schools are U.S. medical schools. So it shouldn't be any harder than anywhere else in the U.S. Is August too late to take the MCAT? If so, do you recommend waiting until the next cycle? Uh, August for me is pushing it. Definitely. I would potentially wait until the next cycle. Should I take calculus before or after I take the MCAT? Calculus isn't a big deal for the MCAT. What are steps I can take to be a forensic pathologist? Step one, be a good college student. Step two, do well on the MCAT. Step three, get clinical experience and shadowing and some research if you want to. B, 
be a good human being, apply to medical school, get into medical school, apply to residency, become a pathologist. Piece of cake. And go find um, specialty, my Specialty Stories podcast at specialtystories.com. I did an episode with Dr. Judy Melanick, who is a forensic pathologist who wrote a book called Working Stiff, I believe. Um, she's awesome. How can I apply for job shadowing when my school doesn't offer any opportunities? So schools don't offer shadowing. Physicians do. Got to reach out to, to physicians. Navy vet here. Was a hospital corpsman. I'm rushing. I'm crushing school. Having a ton of clinical experience and shadowing doctors in the military. Should I try to continue with clinical experience? Something, something, something. Yes. Again, consistency, consistency as much as possible. Where can I get job shadowing and clinical shadowing? So same thing, same thing, job shadowing is shadowing. You just need to uh, reach out to physicians. Right now, it's almost impossible because of COVID, unfortunately. I have read your personal statement book and currently reading BMO's personal statement book. Oh, <sighs> so let's talk about why, why you need to read two books. Is my book not good enough? So, I don't know why you're asking me about what BMO has written about. So, I don't like BMO. They don't like me. Your question got cut off anyway. <laughs> How many hours of experience do you need to get in medical school? You need enough. Is research a must? No, it is not. I'm having trouble scheduling my day. Do you have any advice? I want to improve my efficiency. So I don't typically talk about kind of efficiency stuff. I'm a huge efficiency nerd. I'm terrible at it, but I love to read all about it. Uh, Getting Things Done is one of my favorite books. If you want to check that out, go, go check that out. Getting Things Done. When should you submit a letter of interest or letter of intent? So I'm not a fan of letters of interest, right? You, your application is a letter of interest. Letter of intent is after you have an interview and even better if you have an acceptance to another school. That's when I would drop that. When will your next book drop? Looking forward to adequately prepping for my activities section. So it is coming in hopefully beginning-ish of May. That's the hope. Um, fingers crossed. I get the final, the, the cover is finalized. The interior is being designed now. So they have all the words. Now they're making it look pretty for the book. Do you see the MCAT ever getting phased out of the application? God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it's not good for some of my friends who are in the test prep world, uh, but God, I hope so. I, I think there will always be something out there, unfortunately, that is going to try to level the playing field between different schools and different teaching styles and different things like that from between different institutions, institutions that have really big curves and institutions that don't curve at all. Medical schools will want something to try to level the playing field. If the AAMC can ever get their crap together and, and do a good job actually turning the MCAT into something that isn't, uh, isn't something that is solely benefits white men and women and solely is determined on how much money you have to prep for an app for the MCAT. 
then great. Let's let the double AMC do that. Right now, they they don't do that. Right? They they publish data that shows that African American students score ten points lower. Hispanic students score ten point nine points lower. I think than white their white counterparts. And so the the MCAT has that data, and yet they do nothing about it. And so they need to fix that crap someday, someday soon. One day, um, they have three hundred million dollars uh, of net of net uh, net assets. They could spend a little bit of that money to fix their crap. An advisor said that it would look bad taking online labs and science classes. What do you think? I think everyone is taking online classes right now. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Um, all right, two questions, same in a row. Any recommendation if what's making me hesitate from applying is a lack of strong letters of rec? The um, the imposter syndrome, right? How do you know that you are lacking strong letters of rec? You need them. Start talking to people. How do medical schools view your master's thesis topic? They don't care about that crap. <laughs> like, Are you a good student? That's all they care about. Oh, man, they don't care. It might make for a good conversation, but in terms of what you're doing, they don't care. Is virtual shadowing seen the same as in-person shadowing? Of course not. It's in virtual shadowing. I do eshadowing.com. Uh, tonight, if you're available in 30 minutes, uh, I have Dr. BJ Miller on. He's a hospice and palliative care physician. He's an amazing dude. He has a phenomenal TED Talk, not a TEDx, a real TED Talk. Uh, with over 12 million views. If you just Google his, B, his name, BJ, the two letters, BJ Miller and TED Talk. He's a triple amputee and, uh, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal dude. So I'm excited to have him on tonight for eShadowing. So no, it is not the same, but you know what? There's nothing else you can really do right now. So you gotta do what you gotta do. All right, let's get some of these new questions. You guys are asking a ton of questions here. I love it. If I have some misdemeanor charges when I was 17 and 18, graffiti vandalism, but I was in law enforcement for four years, how would that look in my app? It would look like you have a misdemeanor charge, and then you would talk about it, and then they would go, cool, you've grown up. So don't worry about it. Does it look bad quitting a non-clinical career to become a full-time MA or other clinical role? Why would it look bad? Why would it look bad? Of course not. How to determine a solid research medical school? I don't trust U.S. News. Um, so, what what is a solid research medical school? I don't even know. But I'm glad you don't trust U.S. News. Would a post back be beneficial if you already did a master's in order to raise your science GPA more? Not necessarily. Should I withdraw from a C as a freshman? If you can, I would. And Melwin, please don't ask the same question five times. That's just bad form. Is it still possible to do clinical experience now during COVID? Of course, hospitals are still running. They need employees. Can you volunteer? That's a different question. Uh, lots of volunteer opportunities are done for now. So um, go to Texas. Texas, open for business. <laughs> Is it harder to become uh, matched into a surgical residency as a DO in comparison to MD? Potentially, depends on where you want to be. I'm a first year university student from Canada. I'm more interested in DO school than MD in your experience. Same question. You guys love asking the same question multiple times to get my attention. 
Naughty, naughty. Um, Turkish asking four billion questions here. Let me ask this one. What are the steps to become a neurosurgeon? So just like becoming a forensic pathologist, you go to school, you do well in school, you get some clinical experience, some shadowing, take the MCAT, you do well there. You apply to medical school, you get into medical school, you do a lot of neurosurgery research, and you apply and get into neurosurgery residency. Piece of cake. <laughs> That's easy. Wait. What is, uh, yeah, no. Um, oh, good question here. So how important is a medical school's match list? A lot of students will look at med school match lists to determine where they are applying. And I believe that a medical school match list has no bearing on whether or not you should apply to that school. And you may go, but but if I want to be a neurosurgeon and the school hasn't matched a neurosurgeon in three years, then, then why should I apply there? And my response is always, correlation doesn't equal causation. Maybe nobody at that school wanted to be a neurosurgeon, so they didn't apply. Right? You don't know why they haven't had a neurosurgeon match in three years. They may not have a neurosurgery mentor, right? If, if there's no neurosurgery residency program near that medical school, then maybe if you want a mentor. <laughs> but wait, what did, you, what did you say? But maybe no students. Exactly, right? Exactly, Adrian. Uh, maybe no students wanted to be neurosurgeons. Exactly. So I, matchless for me have no bearing on whether or not you should go to a school because a match list is made up of students. The students determine the match, not the school. So you as an individual, if you want to match in neurosurgery, then you should do your research into how to match as a neurosurgeon. And whatever school you go to, you go out and you crush it. And yes, there are certain locations assuming you have easy access to a residency program director who may write you a killer letter of recommendation for your neurosurgery applications, right? That helps. But that's not necessarily the school. That's just the location where you're at. So think about it in those terms. Match lists are, are not something I ever talk about when it comes to picking schools. Are W's worse than F's? How many W's would raise red flags? So W's are not worse than F's. F's count as 0.0 in your GPA calculation. W's don't count at all, right? The F, you still add the credits. A W, you do not. Where W's become a problem is if there is a pattern in the W's. If you take Gen Chem 1, fall of your freshman year and you withdraw and you take it again the spring of your freshman year and you get an A. And then you take organic chemistry one fall of your sophomore year and you withdraw and you take it spring of your sophomore year and you get an A. There's a pattern there of withdrawing from a course and doing well, withdrawing from a course and doing well. And the assumption is you really struggled 
and you use that struggle to jumpstart doing well. And then you use that struggle and then you jumpstart doing well. It's the pattern that matters and not necessarily the, the W's on there. All right, let's see. I love this question comes up all the time. What do medical schools think of gap years? Medical schools don't care about gap years. Medical schools care about who you are, what you've been doing. If you took a gap year because you needed to take a gap year to improve your GPA, to improve your activity list, great. If you are a, <laughs> will there be more e-shadowing? There's e-shadowing every Monday, dude, um, or dudette, uh, e-shadowing.com. Uh, if you took a gap year, if you took a gap year because you needed to improve something, great. If you took a gap year and traveled the world, there may be a potential red flag there. It's like, hey, you didn't do anything to to show that you're still interested in medicine. A lot of people will yell at me. They're like, I've already proven I want to be a physician. I'm like, well, why'd you take a year to go travel? Like, are you burnt out? Or is, is that going to be an issue coming back to school? Right? There's, there's a, a difference. Are you a great student as a traditional student and have lots of great clinical experiences and you don't need a gap year? Then don't take one. Has it, the, the gap year itself does not help or hurt your application. Who you are and what you do is everything. <sighs> Dr. Soto, why don't you respond to my DMs? Because um, I don't. <laughs> is two gap years considered non-trad? No. <laughs> there's no, there's no like strict definition of what a, a non-trad is. Again, being a non-trad doesn't hurt you or help you. It just is who you are. What is your opinion of St. George Caribbean Medical School? So here's my opinion of all Caribbean medical schools. Don't go to them unless you have to go to them, right? Don't go to a Caribbean medical school unless you have to go to a Caribbean medical school. There are going to be some of you who need to go to a Caribbean medical school because your GPA is just atrocious. And even with improving Medical schools just won't give you the time of day. That's usually not the case. Where I find typically most students land is they're good students GPA-wise, or they, they have a really strong upward trend GPA-wise, but the MCAT just doesn't click in their head and they can never get a great score in the MCAT, a good enough score to get into to, uh, the US. This is the same for, for all international schools. Students who have good GPAs have proven that they are academically capable of doing good in medical school, doing well in medical school, proper English here. Where a lot of students mess up in going to the Caribbean is they think it's a shortcut. They think it's a shortcut to improve their GPA or a shortcut to work harder on the MCAT. Going to a Caribbean or any international medical school does not make medical school easy. It actually makes it harder because you have to do a lot better in your classes and do better on the board exams than your U.S. counterparts typically. And we don't know what the future is going to hold with step one going pass fail and, uh, and if step two is going to be weighted more, whatever, right? We don't know what's going to happen there. If you have proven yourself to be 
academically capable, then I'm not worried about you going to Caribbean medical school. If you struggled on the MCAT, then I'm not worried about you doing well on step one. Step one is a completely different test than the MCAT. Step two is completely different than the MCAT. There are lots of students who struggle with the MCAT who crush step one. Completely different tests. And so don't go to a Caribbean school unless you have to go to a Caribbean school. It's just a harder path, right? As, as JP, I didn't know you went to Russ or go to Russ. It's a wicked harder route. It is. But there are many amazing physicians, uh, physicians who I've worked with who have gone to the Caribbean. Uh, do you think going to community college during your undergrad hinders your chances for medical school? No, it does not. Because of COVID, it's been difficult to find research opportunities. So I had an idea to interview fellow students on how COVID has affected them psychologically, something, something. Guys, you're asking, your questions are too long. Why aren't you an orthopedic surgeon? Because um, I'm dumb, dumb. <laughs> Um, because the Air Force told me no is, is why I didn't become an orthopedic surgeon. What GPA should I have to decide if I want to do a post-bac or a master's? I, I don't think the GPA number really matters. It's what is your, what are your trends look like? Much, much more important. Any tips to briefly introduce myself to every interviewer at the beginning of each MMI station? No, that's not what an MMI is for. Your your job is not to to give a little mini tell me about yourself in the MMI, right? If you did that, you would fail your MMI because you won't be someone who uh, will follow directions. So don't do that. I am writing an MMI book. <laughs> it won't come out probably for another two years, but I will have the pre med playbook guide to the medical or the mini. I can't think the multiple mini interview the MMI. How do I get into schools like Harvard and John Hopkins? You apply to schools like Harvard and John Hopkins. What do you think about private admission counseling? Well, considering I do it, I think it's good. Um, so I'm very much a fan of, uh, of coaching, period, right? Uh, I always give the analogy of uh, of the the greats in athletes, right? A athletes who are the best in their sport have coaches, right? And that's all an admissions counselor is, is a coach. I give away all of my information for free. I don't think information should be paid. The, the, the pre-med years podcast, all of my YouTube videos, when I do Q&A like this, I'm giving you all the information from my head. I'm not holding anything back. Where admissions counseling comes in, a good admissions counselor won't hold back information. What they are doing is they are coaching you. That's all it is. They're, they're helping you be the best, your best self. Can you do that on your own? Of course, just like students can study for the MCAT on their own. The information is out there. And the MCAT's a little different because you need, you need full-length exams and, and kind of content books to understand what the MCAT's all about. I do the MCAT podcast, right? It's free MCAT prep. I do the MCAT cars podcast. It's free MCAT prep. Um, Dr. Soto, and that's why we love Dr. Gray, but apparently I don't answer your DM, so I'm sorry. Um, so yes, I, I think there there are always, and I, I had this kind of argument on student or on Reddit recently where Reddit, unfortunately, their mentality is 
if you pay for anything, you're stupid, right? All the information is available online. Well, of course it is, right? But we still sell lots of books in this world because people like things packaged a little bit differently. People want accountability. When when I was in medical school, I still, uh, unfortunately, I still worked as a personal trainer in medical school. And my clients didn't need a personal trainer. They were fit and in shape. And when you looked at them, they didn't need a personal trainer, but they wanted a personal trainer because they wanted accountability. They wanted someone who was going to hold their hand, keep them accountable, make sure they showed up. Again, that's that's all the, uh, an admissions, kind of private admissions counselor uh, is for. And then obviously making sure that you're telling your story appropriately and everything else. But you can do that with my $6 ebook. So, uh, will shadowing still count if I'm a senior in high school? Um, yeah, yeah. So general rule of thumb is anything after high school. All right, one more question. Let's see here. What is your option, opinion, I'm assuming, on medical residencies at once? So, unless pre-medical, show us. <laughs> JP, oh, the COVID-20, like... The COVID-19 uh, hit me hard. Um, I've, I, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Uh, thanks, COVID. Um, what is your option on multiple residencies? So it's impossible to do multiple residencies at once. And, and there's a little secret behind that because the far majority of residency programs are paid for by the federal government. And so even doing multiple residencies can get tricky because you as an individual only get a certain number of school uh, of of years paid for in terms of residency. And if you use up those years, then residency programs may not want to, to invite you. Um, all right, that's all I got. I need to go prepare for e-shadowing with Dr. BJ Miller. Lots of great questions tonight. Again, if you want to go to eShadowing, it's eShadowing.com. Uh, if you don't want to go to eShadowing, all the replays are available on YouTube after a few weeks. Uh, the replay is available throughout the week. If you want credit for it, you can get a certificate for it at eShadowing.com. And yeah, go check out BJ Miller's TED Talk. It's phenomenal. Have a wonderful day, wonderful night. Take care. See you. This is MedEd Media.